In a moment of crisis, some people freeze up. Others spring into action because they've learned lessons along the way to help them see their way through tough situations. Even one moment or inch of daylight in the darkness can be enough to hold on to to provide hope. People and companies have risen from the ashes before, and if something amazing has happened once, then certainly that means something beautiful can be created again, no matter the challenge, right? I was like, oh man, woo! And so we had the event and the beams of light were coming down and there's the Pope and it looks like the light's coming down from heaven and it was amazing. You have things like that happen and you learn like, oh my gosh, sometimes this is just communication and it's angles and people understanding the importance of things. That's a fun little story about the Pope and Justin Bieber. That's Charles Ide, the founder and CEO of IDECOM and the founder and CEO of Second Stage, IDECOM is a live production and events company, and Second Stage is a software startup that connects people through online events. Prior to the pandemic, Second Stage didn't even exist. It was a key pivot for the company that Charles made to stay active and serve customers while live events were put on hold. Today, IDECOM and Second Stage exist at the cutting edge of creating online and hybrid event experiences. They are very much guiding the future of the entertainment space. Rather than giving up on events, IDCOM and Second Stage found a way to keep the spectacle alive. On this episode of Business X Factors, find out how IDCOM and Second Stage have been able to keep the show going no matter what obstacle gets in the way. And consider what lessons you can apply to your business to stay flexible and dynamic in our ever-evolving economy. Plus, Stay tuned for more of Charles' story of how there's an IDCOM event connection involving the Pope and Justin Bieber. I'm Jeremy Bergeron, Vice President of Media Strategy at Mission.org. Welcome to Business X Factors. Each week, we'll take a look at the secret sauce that takes companies to the highest levels of success and then unpack how they got there. We'll explore how these organizations are run, what's so special about the people, culture, and processes that make it all happen. What is technology for? Our friends at Highland believe technology is for transforming the way you work, for delivering complete information when and where you need it so you can be more agile, more empowered, more connected through each interaction and in every relationship. Highland believes in technology thoughtfully designed to create better customer experiences. Highland is your X factor for better performance. Go to highland.com forward slash insights to learn more. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D.com slash insights. We've all been moved by the power of music. But for Charles, his passion for music went beyond how it made him feel. He was enthralled with the power music had to move the masses and to transform the energy in different situations. I was like the nerdy kid in school. I was so nerdy. I loved that you could plug in a microphone into your boombox and your voice would come through the boombox. 
and I, I loved music. I grew up playing the piano, so music was a big part of like how I saw the world and how it like moved people in certain ways. My mom was a corporate trainer, and her area was growing really quick, and I was her nerdy 12-year-old son who figured out how to hotwire dad's stereo. And so I, I got involved by accident, but through passion. Like I really loved that when I play this song and that dude walks on stage, like he's got more energy than he had when he was standing off stage, you know, and the audience can feel it. And they're like, that's that guy's theme song, Back in Black. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but I'm stoked right now. It's one of those things where I think you develop that passion early on, but we all have those like passions and some of us suppress them when we're young. And some of us, we go, how do we change the world with this? And of course, when you're making something huge happen in the environment you're in, you think the whole world is feeling that way. And that's what I, that's what I love about events is you can make so many people feel great all at once. The seed had been planted and Charles's passion had been ignited. He was motivated to do something big and change the world but it took down-to-earth lessons from his grandpa to help him understand how to turn those dreams into reality. My grandpa was a land developer down in central Illinois. And I was like 18 or 19. I was like, I'm just going to go down and take over grandpa's big land development business. And <laughs> he was like, sure, come on down for a summer and you can learn about the family business. And I went down there and he put me to work on job sites doing construction of homes. And I, I, I didn't pack jeans. I thought I was going to be wearing like my Sunday best in the office in the ivory town with grandpa and he was like you're gonna be shoveling dirt and he sent me out there to do that and i realized you can't really build something of value if you don't understand all the components of it and the pieces that every player has you can't just walk into something and be like i'm gonna be a huge success you know and so Years and years later, here I am working in the events business going, I literally have done almost every single position on every single show. His grandpa taught him that to really run a business successfully, you first have to know every step that goes into it. But this still doesn't explain how exactly Charles went from shoveling dirt to running massive events. Enter Howard Spector. I had told you my mom was like a corporate trainer for a company that was getting started in Minnesota and they had a national sales conference. And so she had gone to this national sales conference as kind of a newbie, as a leader of the Minneapolis area and saw the production and was like, oh my gosh, my son would just die. This would be great. I think she just went up and this is my mom like being outgoing. She went up to Howard, I think, and just said, hey, my my son is a geek, like is into this stuff. Would it be okay if I brought him next time? And she brought me along and it was amazing. I'll never forget the day I met him. He treated me like he was my long lost uncle. He was like, Charlie, how you doing? Come over here. I got a backstage pass for you. I mean, it was like, oh my gosh, I want to be that to as many people as I can in my life. Like the, the magic that he set me up to see in my lifetime was so special. Howard was like the most selfless, amazing man. And he produced the big shows. I'm talking arenas. And when I was a kid in my like early years, 
he would invite me to sit next to him in these cold arenas filled with 20,000 people and pyro and lights and sound and screens. And I learned very quickly the importance that like those are all tools. What matters is the content and how the audience feels. You want to talk about like life changing, having that mentor and someone that like selflessly looked at me and said, this kid's got talent. I just need to help him develop it. Mentors have been a real guiding force for Charles, but a key friendship dating all the way back to childhood with co-founder of IDCOM and Second Stage, Mike Danielson, has given his career the jet fuel it needed to really take off. We grew up next door to each other. Our parents still have houses right next door to each other in the same neighborhood that that we did growing up. We don't really remember when we met, but we grew up through grade school doing everything from launching bottle rockets at the neighbor's house to flying remote controlled airplanes in the neighborhood that we shouldn't have been and just raising all kinds of hell. And we became great friends. But as he went off to college at the University of St. Thomas here in Minnesota, I had already started the events business and he was learning how to be great at entrepreneurship and finance. And I was learning how to be great at getting my ass kicked by the world. We've been business partners almost since the very beginning of the business. And his strength is in, he's an implementer and an integrator. He's very like structured, he's risk averse, he needs a plan, he's really good with numbers, like he's brilliant. And then I am the visionary. I gotta be honest, if I didn't have him, I couldn't be a visionary because he really gives me the space to see the future of our industry and our business while he manages the details. There's a tremendous power in a business relationship where two friends complement and value each other, but there is also risk in mixing business and relationships. So then the question is, What do you do to maintain that core friendship through the good times and the difficult times? It's easy when you work every single day with the same person to get like only in work mode. So we have to be super deliberate about spending time outside of work. He's got kids. I got kids. We're both busy. So we have to be really calculated about spending like non-work time together so that we still like each other. And so a way we do that is with flying. We are both pilots and we have a plane together. And so we fly and we talk about aviation. And it's like that common non-work thread that allows us to be buddies still. Charles and Mike have come a long way in their friendship and in their business ventures. As kids, they were flying remote control planes together around the neighborhood. And now they actually fly real planes together. And their business ventures have soared to great heights and scaled similarly. But how did they get their business to this place? When you're first getting started, you don't want to offend anyone. So you're trying to like be everyone's friend, but you also try and do everything for everybody. And you say yes to everything, which is like a double-edged sword, because when you say yes to everything, you get to learn a lot. But you also very quickly, hopefully, realize that doing everything, you're not good at anything. And it finally took like... In 2017 to 2019, we had a huge jump. We grew like 200% in two years. 
And and I look at that and I'm like, what did we attribute that to? And it was totally about learning to focus on one thing and do it better than anyone. My grandpa always said to me, he's like, I still haven't figured out how to be good at just one thing. Being good at one thing is really hard to do because think of all the things you have to say no to and tune out to be so good at that thing. And so today, the scale in which we do things is pretty mind-blowing to me. I mean, we've done things for the Pope. We've done things for some of the biggest brands that I've been a fan of since I was a kid. And here we are being entrusted with their brand and their message to bring all these people together. And I attribute that to focusing on being great at that one thing. And that is live production. Having a successful live production requires pivoting in real time to create the best, most entertaining show. And nothing demonstrates exactly what this looks like better than Charles's story of bringing together a duo that should go together as well as peanut butter and jelly. That's right. I'm talking about the Pope and Justin Bieber. So we're in Poland in 2016. We got called to do this event where it was a big recognition event at the end of World Youth Day, which is for three million people. And this particular event was in an arena for about 20,000 volunteers and the Pope was going to show up and we were doing rehearsals and I went up to the lighting guy and I walk up and I'm like, hey, man, it looks really good. But like, where's the haze in the air? And he was like, oh, we can't have haze. So haze is basically it's like this. It's like smoke you put in the air so that you can see the beams of light coming down from the lighting rig and it really takes the lights from five percent cool to like a hundred percent cool well why can't we have haze he goes oh they're not allowing it and i was like you got to be kidding me what do you mean they're not allowing it? and of course we're in poland barely anybody speaks english and i go to our customer and i said hey i'm being told that the fire marshal and the building are not going to allow us to have haze you just spent like a ton of money on all this lighting and it's not going to have any effect and they were like we talked to them, they're not budging. And I said, when's the next meeting? And they were like, the meeting this afternoon. I didn't have any suit coats. So I went and bought a suit coat across the street. And I was like, I'm going to go up into this meeting. So I get up there and there's this gal, she's a translator. And they're like, this is your translator for the meeting. And there's the, the mayor, the fire chief, the police chief, the owners of the building, and they're all going to be there. And so I'm like downstairs in the cold arena and I'm like, okay, focus, go upstairs. You're going to do this. You're going to talk them into it. And so I, I get in this elevator and it's like this tiny elevator, like the size of a beer can and it's cold and it's metal and it's dark. And on the wall in this elevator is this big Justin Bieber poster. I, I looked at the poster and I was like, I don't read Polish, but it says that he's going to be here in like two months in this arena. And I was like, hold on a minute. Justin Bieber's coming here. There's no way Justin Bieber's going to do a show without Hayes. No chance. They're going to come in here and do whatever they need to do to make that show what it is. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to bring that up in the meeting. So I go upstairs and they, they give me a bunch of pushback. And I'm like, okay, listen. 
Justin Bieber's coming here in in a couple months and the translator girl saying this and the mayor's like yeah we're really excited about it Krakow is going to have Justin Bieber and I was like do you think Justin Bieber's not going to have Hayes and she's translating and you could see them go from this happy smile to oh crap the, he has a point and then I said this is the Pope and the whole room looked like they all turned into ghosts. And the one guy who wasn't speaking English at the time decides to pull out his English. The whole time I was on site, he would call me America. And he goes, OK, America, <laughs> you have your haze. <laughs> and I was like... Live production is IDCOM's one great thing. And it's clear why. It's a matter of focusing on the event, understanding the constraints, and figuring out how to communicate effectively to get the haze, man, or whatever's needed that's gonna make the event awesome for the audience and its customer. But Charles and Mike pivoted to create a software startup, second stage, during a pandemic, when most other events, production, and even companies were pressing pause or even shutting down permanently. How does being great at live production apply to the virtual space established with Second Stage? And what is it about Charles and Mike and about IDCOM that made this all possible? Find out after the break. If you run a business, you have information. Loads and loads of information across different channels, systems, and silos. How can you connect the dots to make sure the right information gets to the right people who need it? Highland helps more than half of the Fortune 100 companies do just that by providing them with the tools they need to digitally transform and create more meaningful connections with the people they serve. Highland is your X factor for better performance. Go to highland.com forward slash insights to learn more. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D.com slash insights. Lots of companies have the right gear and expertise to do live production. So what is it that separates a company like IDCOM from the event production pack? I read a book probably... I want to say six years ago now, it's called The Customer Rules by Lee Cockrell. And Lee was the guy who designed the Disney customer experience. And for anyone that has experienced Disney, what an amazing job Disney does at customer service and experience, right? And what I figured out was that in my industry, the problems we were solving weren't who has the lights and the sound, who has been, we all have access to the same equipment out there. That's not what makes the difference. Being in the events industry is one of the most stressful jobs, especially if you're a planner in a big company. It's a very stressful job. The last thing you need to be doing is working with partners that you don't sleep at night because they can't get it right. After I read this book, I was like, we need to have a guarantee. And the guarantee is that we'll get it right. And you wouldn't believe how many customers come to us and they say, I had no idea what it was like to work with a company that does what you do that actually puts customer service at the center 
of what what you do instead of like how many lights do you want and how big do you want the screens to be and how bright are the projectors like that's stuff that's exciting but that's not what helps the customers sleep at night during the pandemic customers have needed more support than ever for perspective concerning the scope of the crisis early on in the pandemic consider a new york times article published in late may of 2020 that reported that the amount of people working in the leisure and hospitality sectors had been nearly halved since March 2020, almost halved in just two months. If you look at the pandemic, when this all happened, people were frantic, fearing for their jobs, rightfully so. And instead of throwing our hands up and going, well, we're going to close up shop and wait till the pandemic's over. And we leaned in and we said, hold on a minute. These people are scared right now. They don't need us to say, we don't know. They need us to lean in and say, let's still figure this out. And so where a lot of the competing companies out there were really hurt, I mean, down 90% revenue, I mean, just competitors of ours, we did all right. And it was because we leaned into our customers and we said, how do we solve this problem for you right now? And you wouldn't believe how many new customers came out of the people I'd never heard of were reaching out saying, we have a problem and we need help now. And those customers are with us today. And I think they'll be with us in the future because it's not about the lights and the sound. Because clearly, if you can't meet in person, there are no big lights and sound. It's about the customer experience and it's about the audience, no matter where that audience is. Can we hone in on maybe like a specific example of helping a customer overcome fear during the pandemic to kind of solve that yeah, problem? Yeah, okay. He, this is a really great one. We do a handful of fundraising events every year. The fundraising that we've decided to be a part of is fundraising that we believe has a true impact on the community or individuals. It's life-changing stuff, like Be The Match. Right? They're a bone marrow transplant registry. During the pandemic, they were dependent, and so many were dependent on having a gathering that raised money. And all of a sudden it was like, oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? We can't raise money. This was like a fear, like nonprofits were going to go out of business because they did not have the ability to gather. And so we leaned into a lot of our customers and we said, let us do a virtual gala and let's come up with some cool ideas that's fun and interesting how do we keep people excited now obviously is it going to be the same no it's not going to be the same it's going to be different but we can make it fun and engaging turns out that during the pandemic when we had a lot of these virtual galas and fundraisers we raised as much if not more money having them online and I got to tell you, it opened everyone's eyes to this idea that, you know what, in the future, we should always have a virtual option for people. Number one, not everybody can come physically. It just, it's too much. Number two, there are people who geographically want to be involved, but aren't going to spend the money to fly and travel and all that stuff. So all of a sudden, not just in the nonprofit, but everywhere else, you started going, oh my gosh, if you create a virtual plan, you can expand your audience. To get a feel for how IDCOM offers flexibility in providing either physical or virtual event spaces, take a look at how the company works 
with the agribusiness CHS. In 2019, IDCOM hosted an in-person event in Minneapolis for CHS, and then in 2020, it hosted CHS's first virtual owners forum. Clearly, IDCOM adapts as needed to meet its clients' needs, whether in-person or virtually. IDCOM's agility in adjusting to an evolving environment compares favorably to another company, Netflix. Netflix was quick to realize DVDs could be much more safely shipped than VHS tapes and capitalized accordingly. Later, Netflix banked on streaming and ultimately producing its own content. Its awareness of changing dynamics and ability to adapt quickly positioned Netflix to survive and thrive in market downturns that have upended other blockbuster companies. But just like taking advantage of DVD shipping or producing its own content wasn't easy or a magic bullet solution for Netflix, swiftly switching from in-person to virtual was only one piece of the puzzle for IDCOM. Regardless of how guests attend, you still need to create an event that's memorable. So what is it that helps make a virtual event pop? If you want a virtual event to be really successful, you have to get specific about your programming timeline and you gotta get more specific on the quality of the content. This is something that I think organizers realize, oh my gosh, think of how much time of people's were wasting on worthless crap that they're forced to sit through and listen to because they're in person. Now, they don't have to get up from their table and go out to their car and leave. They just click a button and it's gone. So we have to go, okay, what are the things that keep people there? The programming has to be tight. So these programs that used to be three hours long are now 40 minutes long. And then you got to add production value. You have to make it look and feel like something the audience is used to seeing on TV, not used to seeing online. Talking heads and zooms and giant heads on screens, not going to work. You have to create a stage environment, even if there's nobody in person. You have to create a stage environment that's got lighting and looks beautiful and then camera angles. We've realized that the more camera angles and the more lighting, the more interesting. It's got to be a spectacle. IDCOM worked out the formula for running successful online events just as the world needed it. And now, as conditions open up more around the world, the company is well positioned to serve customers in more ways than one. From an event standpoint today, as we come out of the the fear of the pandemic and the tools at hand like the vaccine and things that have brought the temperature of COVID way down, we've, we've seen people embrace getting back together. And it's funny because you look at these stadiums that are just packed. People want to be together. And I don't think any amount of fear out there can hold people apart too long. Eventually, they just they want to be back together. And so you have a wide variety of different kinds of companies out there. A lot of corporations look at this and they go, we don't want to be gathering people in person quite yet. We're willing to start planning for it, but we also reserve the right to postpone again. And we've seen that happen. But we had other clients that were like, hey, we are okay with getting together and the people that don't want to get together, we can provide them with options to still be involved and be included without being left in the dust. And you have to believe that the decision makers are also seeing that they're going, 
why are we putting our needs as a company aside when everything else is starting to work really well again? And so you are seeing that change happen, which is awesome because usually it all starts with the leaders. It all starts with leaders. And when they start to realize, hey, we don't want our company, we don't want our employees, we want people in general to feel like they're being left behind when everything else they're doing in their daily lives, they're attending concerts, they're attending sporting events, they're attending big gatherings. Why would we not get back into doing that for our company and that culture as well? IDCOM and Second Stage are certainly set up perfectly to support customers as the world gets back to relatively normal. But the world is also undergoing tremendous change right now. The boundary between physical and virtual spaces is disappearing. Think about Facebook's announcement that will now be known as Meta and will be a part of expanding the metaverse by creating a hybrid physical and virtual world. Or think about Fortnite's new concerts called Soundwave series. These are interactive experiences inside the game. Because of IDCOM's quick pivot during the pandemic and the launch of Second Stage, the companies will have an amazing opportunity to set the stage in this interconnected physical and virtual environment. With the pandemic weighing heavily on everyone, IDCOM embodied Lee Cockrell's 34th rule in the customer rules, quote, never say no, accept no problem, end quote. It would have been easy to throw up one's hands in the face of a crisis and say to customers, we're sorry, we can't do it. Maybe come back later when conditions improve. But that wouldn't have served the customer's needs and would have likely left IDCOM in the same position as its competitors, either nearing bankruptcy or already out of business. Instead, as the saying goes, the show must go on. Lots of companies have the raw materials they need and smart people who work for them. What really makes a difference is the why question. Why does a company do what it does? For IDCOM and Second Stage, it's about making sure customers can sleep at night. Also, they believe that people need to communally experience spectacle to feel the vibrancy of life. It's undeniable that their determination to provide peace and spectacle are two amazing gifts to the world. Business X Factors is brought to you by our friends at Highland. For over a decade, Highland has been named a leader in the Gartner Magic Quadrant for content services platforms, leading the way to help people get the information they need when and where they need it. More than half of 2020 Fortune 100 companies rely on Highland to help them create more meaningful connections with the people they serve. When your focus is on the people you serve, Highland stands behind you. Highland is your X factor for better performance. Go to highland.com forward slash insights to learn more. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D.com slash insights. You've been listening to Business X Factors created by our team at mission.org and brought to you by Highland. Are you enjoying this show? If so, I would be so grateful if you rated and reviewed us on Apple Podcasts as this really does ensure that more listeners like you find this show 
and lets me know how I'm doing. If you've enjoyed this episode and you want to dive deeper into the topics we discussed, be sure to check out the resources section of our show notes where we've included helpful links, articles, and books, including any stats or stories referenced in this episode. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Jeremy Bergeron, and I'll catch you next time on Business X Factor.